on the inaugural episode of Power of the Towel, the latest podcast on the Canucks from Nuxus Conduct and SB Nation. We talk about the Canucks' most recent two wins, the ones against Chicago and New York that have this town buzzing. Are the Canucks relying too much on Jacob Markstrom? We'll get into that. We'll get into some World Junior talk. Nils Hoglander. Vasily Podkolzin, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I still have not been able to pronounce his name ever since he's been drafted. We'll get into that. And our very first guest, Rob Williams, the sports editor of Daily Hive. You may know him as Rob the Hockey Guy on Twitter. He'll be in studio chatting about the Canucks and his career as a whole. Should be a great first episode for everyone listening. All right. As I said, welcome to the inaugural episode of Power of the Towel. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Bondi. This is very exciting for me. I'm very excited to finally get this podcast out to the public, out to everyone listening. I've been, you know, I haven't really talked about this much, but I've been, you know, in the studio for, you know, a couple of months now just trying to get my sound going, trying to, pr- trying to practice, trying to make sure that I have something different, something unique to give to Canucks Podcasting. Hopefully you enjoy what I, what I can offer, and I'm excited to get started. Okay, let's get going. So the Canucks' most two recent wins, wins against Chicago, which was a 7-5 win, and a win against the New York Rangers on 90s night, a 2-1 victory against them. I was actually at that game against Chicago. Set, that was maybe, like, I've, I was fortunate enough to go to Sedin's last home game. That will be easily the best Canucks game I will ever go to until if I'm fortunate enough to go to the one where they, if they ever win the cup. Sedin's last home game will always be the best Canucks game I've ever been to. This one might be second. This was a, a game with 12 goals. Canucks came back from 4-2 to win this game. I was I was getting I was getting tired like standing up and cheering like that's how many goals there were for the Canucks in this game. We had a great performance I think from the top line. JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Leas Pedersen all had great games in this one. I think JT Miller had four points like he was amazing. And Jacob Markstrom, hey, he let in uh, he let in five goals. He didn't really have to be that good like you know. A lot of talk has been around Jacob Markstrom being, you know, the Canucks MVP this season. I think he's got a pretty good case for it. We'll get into more of it later. But it seems he didn't have to be that great on this night for the Canucks to pull out a win. Now, the game against New York, on the other hand, he had to be, he had to be amazing. That was one of the best goalie performances of the season. I think the, Car- the game against Carolina, obviously, is number one. But the game against the Rangers is up there. There's a bit of now... Are the Canucks relying too much on Jacob Markstrom? It's kind of the it's kind of the narrative going around now. Like, he don't get me wrong. I think you know the Canucks should be needs to stay. The Canucks should be scoring more goals to you know to win games. Hopefully, they're able to do that in the future. But I think the Canucks have a goalie in Jacob Markstrom who, if they have a hot off off night, can steal them a game. Obviously, you don't want to be doing that all the time, but 
it's it's I think it's nice as a fan to to have the fact that a goalie like Jacob Markstrom can can steal you game that maybe the forwards aren't playing that well tonight. Hey, Jacob Markstrom come in, he can make 35 plus saves and he'll at least give you a chance. Maybe even steal you a game like he did against the Rangers. I think the Canucks were badly outplayed in that game. Well, maybe not badly outplayed, but they're definitely outplayed in that one. And I'm of the opinion, why can't why can't the Canucks ride this hot hand for the rest of the season? Why why is it that you think the Canucks can't go the rest of the season with Jacob? Like, I don't think he's going to regress that much the rest of the season. Like, I think there, there's been plenty of instances where a goalie gets hot and he's able to do it at least for the rest of the season. Like, obviously, it's not something sustainable, but the goalie can sustain it for at least one season and the, the team can go far because of it. Like, let's not forget, what's a what's one of the main reasons the Boston Bruins, and I hate, and I know Canucks fans, myself included, I don't want to think about 2011. I want to push that stuff way, 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 way back to the back of my brain. But what's one of the main reasons the Canucks lost the cup in 2011? It's because Tim Thomas played out of his mind. He had like a 940 save percentage throughout the whole season. So why can't Jacob Markstrom continue this up for the rest of the season? Maybe maybe it doesn't happen, you know, if the Canucks re-sign him to a big contract. Maybe he doesn't do it in the future. And that's that's a discussion we can have in, in the future. But right now, I think Jacob Markstrom has the potential to go on one of these really, really, really good runs for the Canucks that season maybe overachieve a bit than what the preseason predictions were saying. I didn't think they would make the playoffs at the beginning of the season. But I think if Jacob Markstrom can continue his play, the Canucks have an awesome shot. One thing also that the Vancouver Canucks fans are should be excited about is the play of Adam Gaudet. I think he's the perfect third-line center for this team. I know that you know they have a bit of a log jam at center with Jay Beagle, Brand Sutter, but I think you got to move some of those guys out of the way. You got to maybe ship them out. I'm, I know their contracts are pretty bad, but maybe even play them on the wing if you can't move them. But I think Adam Gaudet's pretty much established himself as the th- third line center going forward. I, I, that line with him, Roussel, Jake Vertanen, they played awesome against Chicago. They were also really good against New York as well. That has the makings of a pretty good third line. Now, if you can get, you know, Bo Horvat going and Tanner Pierce, I, I don't like Louis Erickson on the second line. I don't think he really brings that much. But that third line with Gaudet, Roussel, Vertanen, I would, I would keep that line together as long as possible. Now, over the past week as well was a conclusion of the World Junior Hockey Championships. There are some people online I see on Twitter who, for some reason, hate the World Juniors. I don't get where these people are coming. These people hate fun. Like, the World Juniors, to me, is, like, on par with, like, the first round of, like, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs in terms of, like, excitement and intensity and all that stuff. Look, one of the reasons I love the World Juniors is you see plays that you would never see in the NHL, and those lead to goals. Like, think of, think of that winning goal that Akil Thomas scored. The goalie goes out and poke checks it, misses completely, and he goes he goes around him and scores. First of all, a lot few goalies in the NHL would have come out and, like, charged the puck and try and clear it out of the way. 
And they definitely wouldn't have, like, just completely missed on the poke check in the NHL. That's why I love the World Juniors is because you see the more mistakes there are in hockey, the more goals there are, the more goals there are in hockey, and the more exciting it gets. That's why I love the World Juniors. Now, in terms of Canucks perspective, the big story has to be Niels Hoglander. Had an amazing tournament, 11 points in seven games, five goals. Had that insane lacrosse-style goal, which I guess we're still calling the Michigan, the Svechikov, whatever the hell you want to call it. He had an amazing tournament. Now, is he in the team next year because of this tournament? I, I think this like a lot of a lot of fans out there, I'm sure, haven't really been watching his his games out in Sweden. I haven't been either. But he has nine points in 19 games, which is pretty good for, you know, that age in a very good league in the Swedish, Swedish Elite League. I think he has a pretty good shot of making a team next year just for the sole fact that the Canucks are being in a, and maybe in a bit of a cap crunch next year if they re-sign Markstrom and if they have, like, some of these deals still on the still on the cap, right? They'll, they're going to need, like, cheap entry-level players like Niels Hoglander to come in and produce and so I think he's going to get a pretty good shot to make the team next year solely because he'll be on an entry-level level deal, and they'll need guys like that in the lineup, right? It should be it should be interesting to see like how he makes out on the team next year because I think he's got a pretty good shot. Vasily Pekulzin had a, had a pretty good tournament as well. Obviously, Russia made the final. I don't know how long he it's going to be before he comes because... He still has, I think, another year left on his deal in the KHL, but it's Russia, right? You can, you can just hand him like an unmarked bag of cash, and I'm sure they'll look the other way and let him out of his contract. Like, I'm not worried if the Canucks want to get him out of his deal, they can get him out of his deal. But maybe it's not the worst idea to, you know, let him marinate in the KHL for another year. Let him maybe, hopefully, next year dominate and not get dicked around in terms of which team he's playing on and all that. And then next year come in, right? Or the year after, sorry. And see if he can earn a spot then. Let him feel at home in Russia. Let him, you know, do his thing. And then come over in, I guess, 2022, 20, whatever, whatever the year after year is. And see if he can dominate then. I don't want to rush this kid into playing for the Canucks. That's the last thing the Canucks need to do is rush a prospect in. So our next guest, our very first guest on Power of the Towel is Rob Williams of Daily Hive. You may know him on Twitter as Rob the Hockey Guy. Great guy, has a very had a very interesting career path to where he is now. And we're going to talk about this season, uh, this season Vancouver Canucks, where he thinks they're going to end up. Do you think, does he think they overachieved, underachieved? All that good stuff. Should be a good one. All right, we welcome on. Our very first guest on Power of the Towel. You may know him as Rob the Hockey Guy on Twitter. It's Rob Williams from Daily Hive. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, you know a real honor to be on this historic episode. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> historic is one good way to put it. So before we get started with the serious questions, would you like to apologize for everyone listening for getting wrong uh, the Bruins fan you thought you were told was a actual <laughs> Bruins fan at the Canucks game against Chicago, but in fact was actually an actor. Oh my God. Yeah, it was starting off like this. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I, you know what? I, 
I hate being factually wrong on something. Like, even if it's not my fault, even if it's something stupid. You're, as, you're, as you pride crazy. yourself on the on journalistic I, integrity. I get it. As, as much as I do, like, some silly stories and, and some fun things, like, that was eating away at me. I was like, I can't believe uh, I got that wrong. So, yeah, I mean. So, you were, so someone in the Canucks told you. Yeah, I asked somebody, I asked somebody with the Canucks that I figured would know, uh, and that person like, yeah, the person great. was like, "Oh no, it's it's not a it's not an actor." Okay, so they were guess, in they're they're in on yeah, the bit I mean, as well. If, if I for anybody that doesn't know the bit, it's the jeez, uh, uh, what are they calling it now? It's uh, lost fans, lost fans. What I'm saying, right. why why we're asking this is because I was at the game, uh, and me and my me and my buddies were like, yeah. well, we, we obviously we could tell it from the stands. We were just like, yeah, that's obviously a Bruins fan yeah. because a why would a Bruins fan go to Canucks game? B she was a bit too attractive, in my opinion, to be a Bruins fan. <laughs> I, I, it is, is it, isn't that up? Uh, yeah, you know what? So I, I had seen the bit uh, done the the, geez, just prior to Christmas, and I, I what was it? It was the game against the Oilers. Get Oilers, Flames. Yeah, they played. Uh, they played the Oilers before played, Christmas. Yeah, it was. They played the Oilers, and there was a and there was a, somebody in the crowd with a Flames jersey, and they did the lost fan bit. But they also had other people that were clearly not actors. Like they couldn't have been actors. Mm-hmm. And you know that does happen at Canucks games. I've been to Canucks games. And I've seen people wearing like Leafs jersey. Like it happens all the time. And it's it's one of my uh, like I don't know. I don't know if it's a pet peeve or just like a oh yeah, it's a, annoying. One of those things where you just are like oh that's kind of weird that you're wearing yeah. that jersey to this game. Uh, so that it ha- they had me completely fooled uh, the other day, um, and then <laughs> and then this one I guess it was I mean in retrospect it looks like ridiculous that like it was clearly a uh, a stunt right where they 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 brought somebody from the from the hype team which yeah I, that's I think th- the hype team's just just the the Vancouver Warriors uh, cheerleaders and yeah, they just, they, that, they're that's also sure what it is. the Canucks hype team so. Um, in, so in retrospect, it seems super obvious and I can't believe I missed it. Um, and I know that they have done uh, a few different bits and let me just say, like, I think the Canucks have done a really good job with their game presentation. I actually think 100%. they've done a pretty decent job with their game presentation in prior years as well. Yeah. This was my um, first, this personally, this was my first game that I went to this year. Uh, I, I thought the game presentation was obviously way better. Yeah. And I will say that like the game presentation, like everything, like the game presentation is better when the team's winning and the team's exciting. Like the hot dogs t- taste better, the beer's fresher. Like everything's nicer yeah. when the team's winning. Um, but yeah, I just I genuinely thought that this was like a really cool bit where they they go and they they uh, pan to people in the crowd wearing these these mm-hmm. different jerseys and kind of and just kind of shame them, right? And everyone kind of boos them, and it's and it's fun. Um, and not everyone that they show on there is a is an actor. I think that's the thing that that fooled me was that. They are showing different people, but some of them are. Well, I think it's they end off on on the most ridiculous one, right? Oh, it was like the okay. perfect yeah. jersey. The punch. It's the punch jer- It's the punch the jersey. Yeah, but but for a lot of the um, a lot of the bits that they've done this year, I found like they're really like when it's an actor or, or you know somebody dressed up, you know playing a playing a part. It, to me, it's always been really obvious. Like there was, I forget, they had some bit where Finn threw like a cake in in somebody's oh, okay. face, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. Like it seems like a lawsuit li- waiting to happen if you like just throw obvi- a cake at a fan. Exactly. Like obviously, he didn't like actually do that, but I don't know. Apparently, this is this is um, fairly common around the league that th- they have these uh, kind of these little skits mm. and and whatnot. Um, 
But yeah, I was fooled. So <laughs> you know what? Hey, you know what? <laughs> good on him. It was pretty, you, pretty you, good. You did. You did I the guess. big J journalist thing. You apologized. <laughs> you owned up to it. You know it was great. And we all can move on. You know it was great. It was the. Um, it's just people on Twitter, like the power of Twitter. Uh, yeah. Where, you know, I'm on there going like, you know, hey, this is this is hilarious, and then immediately people are going like, no, like they're, you know. You know, I bet you that was an actor or whatnot. Yeah. And then someone I, pulled and up the screenshot of like the well, person that was in the after, room. That was, oh, after that was after I was I was actually like, oh no, you know, I can confirm. You were I you were digging, like, you were digging like it up. I've asked somebody that then they confirm yeah. this, this is not an actor. And then there's people going like, no, like I'm in the section. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the whole thing take place. So, anyways, it was it was a bit of a, uh, a comical moment. Uh, that kind of distracted from a pretty entertaining uh, now, Canucks game that against the against the Blackhawks I, seven I, five. I said on the episode earlier that. This was, like, I was fortunate enough to go to Sedin's last home game. And that will always be the best Canucks game I will ever go to, unless I'm lucky enough to go to the one where they win the cup. That was maybe second. Like, that was, like, seven goals. They came back from 4-2. Like, that was just an amazing game from start to finish. From, like, bang for your buck value. It was awesome. Absolutely amazing. So, I guess let's let's start. Let's, uh, let's get on to your career a bit. So, how long have you been writing about hockey for? Oh, uh, I started my own little blog. Um, it would have been in, it was just after Matt Sundin retired. So it would have been uh, 2009. Okay. Um, so over 10 years ago. Matt, it seems crazy. It, feel, it doesn't feel like 10 years ago. It feels like yesterday. But um, yeah, I started a, started a blog that not many people read. Uh Used to, I would get messages from my friends and, mm-hmm. and uh, every now and then be like, oh, yeah, that was that was a cool article. And then that was like a kick. I was like, oh, man, you actually read that? Yeah. Like, um, and, and just kind of, and you know, just humble beginnings, just kind of writing for fun and, and um, did that for a few years. And I was kind of the right place, right time uh, when Van City Buzz, which was, you know, the previous name for Daily Hive, um, came calling and, and, uh, they just kind of needed somebody to, you know, they were just kind of testing out sports articles. They kind of did Canuck stuff from time to time. And, uh, so yeah, I started with them. That was the, uh, the torts here was, oh, was when I legendary torts here. Yeah. Um, did yeah. You get right about the Murphy bed at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's Jason, Jason Botchford, um, you know, that kind of had the scoop on that one. Um, Back in the day, and but I mean that wasn't I mean, as bad as that year was. Like, boy, what an interesting year that was! Uh, no shortage of th- of things to talk about. Um, you know, Roberto Luongo yeah. getting to, traded. to quote Darren Rovell, <laughs> like that might have been a terrible year for the Cucks, but it was tremendous content. Totally, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, from you know, I I, I did that part time for a couple of years um, with Van City Buzz as it was growing, and and um, and. I mean, I've kind of seen seen Daily Hive kind of grow from mm. from you know when I first met you know the guys that own uh, that own the website like they had like two employee like full time employees like there was no office like yeah. you know we met like in a uh, uh, you know we'd either meet in a coffee shop or like rented office space um, and uh, and now we're you know this this big growing company with. She's almost we've got to be almost a hundred employees, and we're in seven cities now. You know, you know. So the and, and the the website's growing and yeah. growing all the time. Yeah. So when you started, this was like two thousand nine. Social media was kind of a thing, 
but it wasn't really kind of to the extent it is now. Like obviously Facebook existed, but like yeah. Twitter wasn't really a thing. Not to the extent it is now. Not, not even the, not even not even Instagram was really a thing from what I remember. Like what was it like writing about hockey back then, kind of pre social media? Like where did you like it must have been Oh yeah, we, I'm just thinking back then it was hard, probably hard to get all this prospect information. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say it was pre-social media. I mean, Twitter was was around, and Twitter yeah. was uh, you know was was growing, right? And where now it's kind of I would say it's almost on, on the d- decline with a lot yeah. of people. I think it's, it's still big with sports, still big yeah. with politics. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean the I mean the real backstory to all this is that you know this was 2009. I'd, I it wasn't my idea to start a blog. It was my buddy's idea. Oh, okay. My friend, my friend, good friend, uh, Bin Ho. Uh, he, he, um, we both kind of had like, I think, boring office jobs and we'd just be on, uh, we were on MSN Messenger just chatting. That, that, that's a throwback. Killing, killing that, time. That, yeah. If that doesn't, it's not that doesn't date the reference. I don't yeah. know what does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were on MSN Messenger, killing time, uh, just kind of chatting about random things. And Bin, you know, Bin's a, a, a big sports fan, but like, you know, I'd maybe classify him as a casual Canucks fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the team back then was pretty good. So like, you know, he was kind of interested on different topics, but I would probably just go off on random rants and start searching stats and sending them stuff. And just, I've I've just kind of always been like that. Right. Uh, and I, I've always kind of joked that he just, you know, I had the idea. He's like, you should start a blog. Like you should blog about this Mm. just to kind of shut me up and give (laughs) me a different outlet to, (laughs) to put all my rants. Um, and he was really good with like, um, you know, he's really tech savvy and, you know, basically he just started a, a website. It was like, Hey, here you go. It's, yeah. it's up there. I think he even wrote the first two blog posts. And then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll write about this, I guess. Um, <laughs> cause I just, I just kind of thought it was nerdy and I kind of thought it was, it was just like, I don't know, like who's going to read this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then it just kind of turned into a bit of a, of a neat pastime and, and, um, and yeah, just kind of. Turn into a job, so I, I'm kind of I think myself pretty lucky to um, uh, to be doing what I'm doing, and and uh, like I say, I was right place, right time. Yeah. Um, Especially because the Canucks were really good back then. Probably like a lot of more, <laughs> maybe like a lot of stuff to write about. Yeah, although I must say, I mean, <laughs> Van City Buzz didn't get the timing right on uh, bringing in a, a Canucks yeah. guy because right? <laughs> I've had some awful teams to cover. So yeah, um, yeah, I mean, since I've started writing about. Uh, writing about sports, um, you know, with, with Van City Buzz Daily Hive, I've witnessed one playoff series. <laughs> and what a series it was, <laughs> I witnessed two playoff game wins. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I used to joke, like, like, I haven't had a team to cover that, like, people were genuinely excited about. So, like, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, you know, what the future holds for this current Canucks team. I think it's a... a you know, a fun team to watch. Um, you know, I think there's still some questions about, uh, you know, certainly questions about management and, and all those kinds of things. I'm not going to sweep that under the rug, but, um, you know, say what you want about Jim Benning. I mean, he's, he's brought, he's drafted some very, very important pieces for the Canucks. Um, you know, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. Uh, I'm pretty so, good players. I'm so excited to see, uh, those players play and see what they can become in the future and, and having that 
that uh, those two players' building blocks is going to be massive and, and, and an exciting time, I think, for, for Canucks fans. Yeah. So you mentioned you cover a lot of sports with Daily Hive. Have you ever considered changing your handle to Rob the Sports Guy? <laughs> I've had that suggested <laughs> to me before. Uh, yeah, so not really an original joke is what you're saying. But you no, should, yeah, yeah okay. no, I've had no. that suggested. No, uh, not golf, the good I, start of the podcast. I understand. I understand that there, it's like, yeah, I'm kind of pigeonholing myself. But, uh, I mean, the way I see it I, on on Twitter, I, I'm mainly there to, to, you know, people that follow me, I think, want to hear my opinion on hockey mostly rather yeah. than anything else so uh yeah i've kind of got that that brand for for um for twitter but uh otherwise i you know i think i uh, like to think i know a, a bit about other sports as well so uh i, I see i went with a different handle on instagram i will daily oh, okay see, so yeah, have you considered doing that the, doing that on twitter no i don't no, no i don't think too so corporate for twitter I, no I, I mean you know what it's 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 been too it's too much a part of who i am i think right like <laughs> you're uh, the hockey guy yeah i mean you know what i i don't know if i've ever gone on a podcast and not been introduced as rob the hockey guy so um yeah i think it was a it was good, good branding. Very uh, good, very good, good branding, branding back uh, in the day. Yeah. yeah, and and I can't even take the credit for that name either. I remember it was another buddy of mine, uh, plugged to my buddy Rory, who uh, we were just kind of like, you know, spouting off ideas, um, and that actually started because of the the blog. Our original blog name sucked, so it was our original blog name was Canucks. Oh, com. with a Z. Canucks oh. with a Z, yeah. Um, and our brilliant idea was that all the people, like the Z is right near the S on the keyboard. Oh, that's, that makes you sense. You missed the you S. Missed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, you know, Google started doing that where they where even if you spell it wrong, they, they, yeah, they, they, autocorrect it. they go like, oh, no, you meant Canucks.com. Yeah. <laughs> so we realized it was uh, not the best idea in that sense. It was also didn't really have a personality. I think I was seeing, like, what some of these other blogs were doing. Like, uh, the Curtain blog was so yeah. successful. And uh, Passage of Bula is such a great name. Uh, so I thought, like, geez, you know, you know, we probably need some more personality behind uh, behind the brand and and uh, yeah, my my buddy Rory just kind of I think it was like the one of the first ideas <laughs> that came out of his mouth. He was like, "You should just be like Rob the Hockey Guy or something." And yeah, it was like very yeah, I, okay. yeah, I like it. So if it so, wasn't for your two buddies, you could have had a totally different career path. Hundred, if it weren't for my friend, uh, if it weren't for my friend Ben, uh, I absolutely w- would not be writing about sports for a living. Yeah. wouldn't it, wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't would have started. I wouldn't have started a blog on my own. Um, wouldn't have happened. So yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah. There's a lot of dumb mm-hmm. luck, and uh, <laughs> I guess it pays to know uh, someone who can actually figure out a make yeah, website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you know, I mean, from from there, I, I um, you know, I think I, I recognize that uh, that I've that I've worked hard um, to to be in the position where I'm in now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so much of it doesn't feel like work. It's it's a lot of fun. Maybe you should change your Twitter handle to Canucks. Like to get do the Z again. <laughs> Maybe people no, will mess up on Twitter. No, no. This is a suggestion. I'm just throwing it out there. So one, one last, one last kind of career. I question. think I think we probably still have the handle reserved from when I oh, used okay. to be the ha- the handle on Twitter was Canucks with a Z. Um, yeah, no, it was just not good. Okay, well, if it's still <laughs> open, like hey, anytime. So one, one last career question. You've, with Daily Hive, you've been able to probably go to like a lot of cool like sports events, right? Like, who's the who's one person you've been like interviewing? You're like, oh damn, this is like a really cool experience. Oh man, all the time. I, I think um, I, I think because of the path I've taken, it's been it's been such a um, 
like it's not a traditional path. Like I didn't uh, work my way through the ranks. Like I didn't start interviewing BCHL players and then WHL players and then NHL players. Um, So I think the first, I remember my first interview, my first interview was an in-person interview with Ryan Johansson. Oh, okay. and I was, was like, this when he was with Columbus? Uh, yeah, so it was, okay. it was right after it was kind of after the All Star game when he when he wore like the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, jersey and, and, yeah, yeah. and did all that stuff. Um, so I mean, that one is the first one that pops to mind just because it was my first interview, and I yeah. and I, um, you know, when I was a blogger, I didn't consider myself like a media member. I didn't consider myself like a journalist. I just, yeah. I was like somebody that wrote well, opinions. It, and, yeah, and, well, it's totally and, different, like trying to online. write something without access and then being able to get that access. It kind of, you know, changes yeah, your perspective, so how you write, how you like change stories, how I, you change I, stories. I always say that was a transition for me is when I went from, and it's not even from when I started with Van City Buzz. It was, it was when I started full time with with Daily Hive and, and Van City Buzz, uh, that then I I I, can, I went from being a writer to being yeah. like a journalist, right? Um, so that was uh, so that was the big one for me because I I just remember thinking like, geez, I shouldn't be like, shouldn't I be interviewing like a second line center first, <laughs> like not a, like a first line? Yeah, center? work your way up. Um, so I thought that was interesting, and I just remember like researching the crap out of him and just like I knew like <laughs> where he played minor hockey, <laughs> I knew everything about him. Um, so I, that that one stands out for me, but uh, boy, there, I mean, there's been so many. I m- I remember being um, uh, I went to the World Cup of Hockey. It was kind of like in in, mm, in 2016. Nice. So that was like a, a real whirlwind for me, and and um, I didn't have full access for the Canucks at that point. So it was kind of like I was like, oh wow, okay, that's uh, that's Henrik Sedin <laughs> here. That's you know that's Daniel Sedin and and all the you know Sidney Crosby and all the rest. So uh, that was pretty cool. I interviewed Trevor Linden, Kirk McLean, like those are the guys I. Grew up with the had my had their posters yeah. on my wall, so those are really neat for me. Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, so many to mention, um, and and yeah, it's been it's been a cool experience. Okay, so Sidney Crosby is what you're saying is your final answer. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess I guess Crosby. Um, I don't know. Tra- like for me, Trevor Linden is yeah. like that was the guy. Like growing up, that was that was so huge, and that I you know, got the chance to interview him uh, a few months ago. Um, over the phone, that that was a really neat experience. So that like that was probably like for me like almost bigger than Sidney Crosby, mm-hmm. just because of like all these years following his entire career um, as a kid and as a, as an adult. So that that was probably pretty cool too. Okay, okay. Now to the serious Canucks questions. Okay, the serious yeah. Canucks questions. Just what are your thoughts on the on the season so far? Like, what were your expectations for this team? How do you think they're they're playing out? Yeah, I mean, I but prior to the season, I thought that this team was going to be a bubble team. I thought it was going to be a team that was going to be... Strong bubble team, as Kyle I, Bound would say. <laughs> I thought they were going to be uh, a borderline playoff team. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I thought they were going to be one of the best teams to not make the playoffs. Um, and as this, the years played out, I think they're better than, better than what I expected. I think... I mean, we knew Jake and Markstrom had a had a strong end to, yeah, to last year, but boy, I did not see this coming. Where he was like, you know, in you know, people are mentioning him in the Vezina conversation now and not getting laughed out of the room. Like, like that's a legitimate take to have to to, to say Markstrom if he keeps this up could be a Vezina caliber goalie. Uh, I did not think Quinn Hughes would be this good this fast. Uh, Elias Pettersson's taken another step. You know, like there, there's just in 
in, in so many different directions. I mean, JT Miller, my God, I mean, how amazing is he? Like he's, it's like they've got another, you know, another best or another, you know, like, I mean, who, who's the second best player on the Pedersen line? It might be JT Miller and that's amazing, right? So uh, in so many different areas, the, the this team is, is, I think, really at the, you know, reaching the height of, of, of what you could have realistically projected for them, uh, you know, Michael Ferland being injured. I mean, that's obviously something that that's taken away. I think, you know, most people are probably hopeful that he, he'd be providing or would be contributing to the to the team. But um, but because of injuries, he's not. So, um, there, but there's been very few areas like that where where there's been a, a real disappointment. I think this year. So I think that's and that was you know prior to the year was, you know, can this team make the playoffs? It was a thing where I think if you thought if everything goes right, they can. And, and a lot of things are going right right now. Yeah. So what were your initial thoughts back in June of the JT Miller trade? It's a safe space, so feel free. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't like it, feel free to say so. Yeah, no, I didn't like it at all. I mean, I, I thought I thought it was a – it sure looked like a win-now move. Um, it looked like a move – and I'll characterize it like this. The JT Miller trade – works if JT Miller is excellent and if the Canucks are good and on their way up to contending. Uh, it doesn't work if they're a non-playoff team for a couple of years. Yeah. It doesn't work if they're, you know, not on their way to contending. Um, so, and, and Miller, I, I mean, I, I didn't know a ton about Miller. I, I, the people that, that, that did always said they, they yeah. liked his game, but... I mean, this is a player that was playing on the fourth line in Tampa at times. He was a guy that could score. Um, you know, I didn't realize he was he was played so physically. I didn't realize that he had this much talent. Um, and and you know, he's on he's on pace for a career year. I mean, if 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 you, I don't think a lot of people would have seen this from Miller. I think he's exceeded every expectation because he's playing better. You know, he, if he keeps this up, he's going to produce well more points than he's ever produced in his career. Yeah. So were you one of these people, are you, looking back, are you one of these people who say, yeah, the trade to Miller trade worked out, but they still paid too much? Um, Does, is, the price, no. is the price worth it now? <sighs> so it's, for me, it's twofold because it, it really depends on the team, right? Like, mm. let's say... I just personally yeah. love, like, when people say, like, oh, it's a good trade and, you know, they paid too much. Like, I love that because you could pretty much until... As long as JT Miller's on the Canucks, yeah. you can use that excuse. Like, oh, it's a good trade. They still paid too much. I mean, you, like, you could always use that excuse, which is why I love it. So, I, I mean, I, I do quibble a little bit with, with the argument that, okay, so Ca Tampa Bay needed to shed cap space. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Right? So, but that doesn't mean that they're just going to give them away because if if you're the only team bidding for him, if, or if teams yeah. are not really that I don't know if it's been reported how many teams were in on, on Miller. I've never seen anything. Well, I mean, the th I, think, right I don't think anybody thought that his contract was was a bad contract. I think people generally thought that he had a pretty good contract, and he was a young player still, a good player still. So I don't see why there wouldn't be multiple teams lined up to get him. So if you've got five, six, seven, eight teams that want to trade for him, then I don't know how much the price goes down because you can say, well, Tampa, you know, Tampa needs to get rid of him, but mm. it's like, yeah, but they need to get rid of him, but they don't need to get rid. They don't need to give him to you. Yeah, right? they can give him somebody <laughs> yeah. else. So, um, so you are bidding against other teams for his services. Uh, 
you know, every team knows that that Tampa is in a in a bind uh, at that time, uh, salary cap wise. But I, I don't think there's any. You know, like you, you still want to get the player, so you still have to give up something for him. It, at the time, I, I certainly thought that it was it was too much. It might still be too much because we don't know what's going to happen yeah. here, right? Um, you know, think back to the the last time the Canucks had a seven game winning streak was the John Tortorella yeah. year. We know how that year ended up. So I, I don't I don't foresee the Canucks the wheels falling off for the Canucks. But you know, next year is another year. Like we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, they yeah, have, and especially they if they have do very well this year, that first round pick is twenty twenty one, no matter what. Uh, well, no, if they make the playoffs this year, then, oh, then, yeah, then they give yeah, up the yeah, pick yeah. this year. So, like, yeah, I mean, I think if they make the playoffs this year and they give up the pick and Miller's excellent, then then great. But but the, the, the JT Miller trade depends on two things. I'm still it, not sure if Jim Bidding knows the, like myself, I'm not sure if Jim Bidding knows the true, you know, like conditions on that first round pick. I think he just thinks he gave up a first round pick this year, but <laughs> continue. But no, I like I say, I, I think the JT Miller trade depends on two things. It depends on... The trajectory of the Canucks, both this year, next year, and beyond, and it also depends on JT Miller's progression as a player. So far, the Miller part, like like the, the player, mm. has been exceptional. He's been better than I don't think anyone thought. Even the people that liked Miller and thought that it was a good trade at the time, I don't think those people thought that he was this good because he's never been this good before. Yeah, a lot, I think a lot of people at the time were saying like. They should. He's like a second line player. He's the guy they traded to play with Bo Horvat, and it wasn't until like a little bit into the season they put him with Patterson Besser, and the line explodes. Like that's the top line. Exactly. I mean, and even to start the year, uh, Horvat's line was excellent when Miller was yeah. on there, right? I mean, I think I think you can make the case. It, you can make the case right now. Miller is a first line player, and you know that's so that that's quite a different thing. And and I think you can, you know, if, if the Canucks are on their way up. They become a playoff team, and Miller is this guy that we're seeing right now. Of course, they won the trade, yeah. right? Like to go back and be like, "Oh, well, they should have done this and that." Well, maybe they don't get the player then, right? So that so if if Miller's on his way up, if the team's on their on the way up, that's a win. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah, that, very very good. So let's talk about the man of the hour, Jacob Markstrom. Now, what do you think? You said before he, he could be a Vesna candidate. And you wouldn't be laughed out of the room for saying so. So what do you think his next contract is looking like <laughs> if the Canucks choose to re-sign him? If they can even, at this point, if they have a cap space to re-sign him in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think you can you can make space for him. Um, you have to be careful on, on, on what you agree to sign him to. Uh, for, starter, for starters, you look at his, his birth date. I mean, he turn, turns 30 this month. So you can, and we know we always, and we all know how unpredictable goalies can be. So I, I think they have to still be careful about signing him for too many years, signing him for too much money. Um, it's going to be tough though because he's got all, he's going to have all the leverage if he can, if he keeps this up, he's going to have all the leverage in the world. Um, but at the same time, you know, it took him this long to really establish himself in his career. Does he really want to? Go to a new system, go to a different coach. You know things can play mm. out quite differently for a goalie if if when they do that as well. So I think, yeah, I mean to answer your question, like how how much money is he going to get? I mean, uh, north of five million a year for sure. I think now, um, how much more north of that? Good question. Uh, and the thing they need to be very concerned about still is, is 
not giving up a no movement clause. I think they need to still give themselves flexibility for the Seattle expansion. Uh, you know, in a year, you know, year and a half from now, when the expansion draft is taking place, I think I could still envision a s- scenario where the goalie they want to keep is Thatcher Demko. Yeah. So they definitely need to be to be mindful of that, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a real, it's going to be a, a big test for for Jim Benning, I think here. Yeah, and we all know how well Jim Benning does in contract negotiations. I'm sure he's going to pass that test it with <laughs> flying colors. But I mean, I I was saying on earlier episodes on uh, just past episodes on Sip on the Forty with uh, Kyle Bowen, which you can subscribe to and you can listen to if you subscribe to our network. Nexus Conduct, quick plug. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was just saying, like, they might not even be able to, like, afford Jacob. Like, they may just have to trade Jacob Markstrom away, go with Demko, even if they want to keep Markstrom because the cap space, you know, it's it's easy to say, hey, let's just get rid of some of these big contracts. But, I mean, how are you going get, to get rid of Louis Erickson unless you're sweetening the pot a bit? Like, let's put in, like, you have to give up at least, like, a second-round pick. And that's and maybe you can get rid of him, like, at this point. that And that that's my issue is, like, how, like, even if they wanted to keep Jacob Markstrom... They may not be able to. They may be forced just to ride with Demko. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different things. There's so many moving parts uh, and things you can do. I, I I think that you know, does Chris Tanev return? Ooh. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm he's still unsigned, right? Yeah. Um. So I don't know about you know Brandon Sutter. Can they could they give him away? Um. Who knows? We've been surprised before. Uh, you look at what the Leafs had to do to get rid of Patrick Marlowe. They had to give maybe up they trade. Pick. Maybe you know it's half a season in. Yeah, maybe they look at trading Michael the, Furland. The, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's there's so many there's so many like I say there's there's just there's a lot of different uh, moving parts that could that where you can mm-hmm. make cap space. Sometimes you have to be pretty creative. Um, Louis Erickson, I, I'm. What did Jim Benning strong suits his creativity <laughs> with the cap? Yeah, I I I do think that. Uh, Louis Erickson's contract becomes a lot more tradable once he gets paid his bonus. He's going to have, geez, I wish I had the numbers right in front of me, but he's like, you're, you're going to be counting $6 million against the cap. Yeah, but it's only like a million dollars in actual salary or something like that. It's something like they, it's like three, four or $5 million spread over two years uh, in actual money. Um, People listening at home are, are now Googling Yeah, you, you and, go to Cap and, Friendly, and yeah. yelling at their <laughs> podcast. But, um, yeah, so I think it's it's more, you know, becomes more appealing for a for a, a floor team or a, a non-cap team. Um, but at the same time, like, they're not going to just do the Canucks a favor in that case. Like, yeah, you know, you, like you're you have to sweeten the pot, you can, yeah. You can spend money in different ways. So, so I don't know that they're necessarily going to be uh, jumping all over that contract, but it does become a little bit more uh, palatable in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's January 6th at the time of recording. I don't think it's too early to talk about trade deadline. Sure. All right. It's next month. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, <laughs> and, and yeah. end of February. Like it's coming up. Like what do you expect the Canucks to do? What do you think they will do? What do you hope they don't do? What, what What's your general sense of like the team heading it? I know I'm sure there's, there's still a bunch of games to play. Like it just... Early on, like, what do you sense this team's going to try and do at the deadline? Uh, I sense please don't, first of all, please don't tell me they're going to be buyers. <laughs> yeah, I don't want them to be selling the farm mortgage yeah. in the future or anything like that. I don't think they're even able to, you know what? Thankfully, I don't think they're even able to trade, like, their first round pick because of the conditions. Like, it has to be either, I don't know when they have to yeah. set it. So, maybe, hopefully, I think that may save them, like, say, trading a first at the deadline. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think they should, and I don't think they, even if they... Could you know even if the if the 
the the first for Miller was guaranteed to be this year. I don't think that they would trade next year's pick. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I I don't think that would be advisable. I, I wouldn't anticipate that they would do that. I don't think that. I think it's going to be a the quick answer is I think I think it's going to be a boring trade deadline for the Canucks. I don't think that they're going to they're not going to have much ability because they're up against the cap, so it's it's going to be difficult to add much. Um. And I don't think I think they're going to be in the mix. So I, I don't think that they're going to want to. They're not going to be sellers if they're in the mix. And I don't think that they're going to really. It's it's really difficult to be buyers. I don't think they're going to want to mortgage the future. And if if they're playing well, they get this young team and and uh, some decent depth. I don't think they're going to do too much. So I think they're going to generally stand pat. They might they might make a couple of cosmetic additions. Uh, Define cosmetic additions. Oh, you know, like a, a depth player. I, I, okay. They, if they're really in a, a position, I mean, if if everyone's healthy, I don't think they do anything, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, no, like I don't envision like a Jake Furtana in trade or or you know much in that regard. The one thing I could see in the next, I don't know if it would, ha- I don't, I don't think it would happen this year, but like at some point. Do they trade Thatcher Demko? I oh. could see them going. You know, should change your handle to Rob the Insider. <laughs> no, I'm not, that's no insider information. But I, w- I wonder what would happen. Um, you know, once once they, you know, let's say they re-sign Markstrom to a four-year deal worth six million a year, then what do they do with Thatcher Demko? Yeah. Because what do you think his trade market is like? What do you think he fetches? Uh, the goalie market's such a weird market, and it's just going to be especially weird with with the expansion draft coming up because yeah. if you're a team that already has a number one that you like, are you going to, you know, are you going to give up much for Demko because you can only protect one goalie? So yeah, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be interesting. I, I remember prior the year prior to Vegas coming in, there were some goalie moves made. Um, so, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the goalie market is, is so tough to predict because there's, there's only so many teams that need a goalie at any given time. Mm-hmm. And again, with the expansion draft, you can protect one and, and not the other. So what were your thoughts be on Thatcher Demko in Edmonton? Thatcher Demko in Edmonton. I mean, that, the, that right yeah, off the top yeah, of the top yeah. of the head seems like a pretty good fit. I could see it, but I mean, what do they do? Like, what, what does Edmonton do if they're not sold on him after a year? Then they, they just, I don't leave them unprotected, I, I guess. That's, that's not the Canucks' problem after that. Like, yeah, but as you know, long I mean, as they get the picks. But like, they're not getting a first round pick from or anything like that. Right? Yeah, like, like, you, get, you like, get a second, you get like a second round pick, which almost seems like man, like what a what a time investment on a like. And Demko was a high second round pick. What a time investment on on what I think most people consider a pretty good draft pick. Yeah, only to wait six seven years and give him away for another second round <laughs> pick. I mean. That that would be maybe a bit of a hard pill to swallow, but maybe that's that's what what would need to be done. But I, you know, it's it's also no guarantee that that Seattle would would pick Demko yeah. either, because there's going to be a number of goalies to choose from, and there and you know, and unlike the last time around where it was, you know, it was a decision between Lucas Biza or Brendan Gauntz for Vegas. Yeah. Uh, this time around, I, you know, there's going to be a you know a, a roster player probably uh either defense you know it could be a defenseman like Troy Stetcher that's being left unprotected mm-hmm. it could be a forward like a Josh Levo that's left unprotected um you know somebody that 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 will actually hurt the team and not just be like oh great we got rid of Spies's yeah. contract um so 
you know, it, it's it's going to, so much is going to depend on what all the other teams in the league do. So it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see what the Canucks do and and what happens around the league with the Seattle expansion because I think you know it's quite clear the number of teams bungled the the Vegas expansion. Oh yeah, and I big think There's time. going to be a lot of lessons learned this time around. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be seeing like teams give up. Uh, Give up like a, a first round pick not to take a player. That that's not happening this time. They're just gonna be like, <laughs> just take the guy and get out get out of here. Yeah, I mean I think there's gonna be more like wheeling and dealing with teams that aren't Vegas yeah. too. Like I think that was the weird thing about um the last expansions. I was expecting a lot of moves. I was expecting it to be almost like a mini trade deadline before the expansion draft and that didn't happen. Yeah. So that to me seemed seemed very odd. Like uh, you know, you look at the Canucks like they protected Marcus Granlin in the last expansion draft. Like, mm. why weren't they in <laughs> yeah. on Jonathan Marcheseau from, you know, Florida was going to have to give up Marcheseau. Like, why didn't the Canuck? I mean, it's easy to say now, obviously, seeing what mm. Marcheseau's done. But he was already an accomplished player at the time. Like, he, yeah. he'd already had he, some, he, some he was a, one of those players the math guys, like, really liked. Yeah, but I just remember before. But, but you know what I mean? Like, what, didn't he score, like, 30 goals one year? Yeah, yeah, he like, was, like, yeah like, it was that, like... Yeah, he, yeah, so, like, you know, why weren't the Canucks in on... Like what would have taken to get Marsha so at yeah, that exactly. time, it, like a second round pick? Would they have done it? I'm not sure. Uh, let, 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 let's uh, let's <laughs> let's go on a little bit more uplifting note because that's just going to depress me. You could add Jonathan Marsha. So um, Quinn Hughes, do you think he has a chance at winning the Calder? What would you what would you handicap his chance at now? Yeah, I mean uh, he has to outscore Makar. I think that's that's the, the the big thing. But he's playing all these games. Makar's missed a bunch. Sure, but he has he hasn't been on a real tear of late. Um, I think I think it's probably a a, a two horse race between Makara and Hughes. I know uh, what's the the Buffalo uh, rookie Olsen. Olofsson. Yeah, he's out, but he's out he's, for like and, five six and, weeks. Yeah, and I think that probably sinks he's his done. chances. He's done. Um, and even you know even if he you know led rookies in scoring, you still got these super defense prospects that I think everyone recognizes how good they are. Um, so I think it's 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 between him and Makara and Makara. Um, you know, maybe has a bit of an advantage playing on a more potent team, but boy, look at the Canucks power play. It's been, you know, one of the league's best and, and Hughes, you know, is, is in good position to rack up points there as well. Um, I think on the defensive side of things, um, you know, obviously I'm more familiar with how well Hughes has been doing defensively this year. He's been excellent. Um, mm. and you know, talk about surprises. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it hasn't just been his offense. It's been his defense as well, but you know, voters across the league, you know, no, the, the easiest thing for everyone to recognize is points because it's there for everyone to see. Yeah. And if I think if he outscores Macari, wins the Calder. If he think, I think if he doesn't, he probably doesn't win the Calder. So I is very this this whole like Quinn Hughes recall. I just remember the very first game of the season against Edmonton when Leon Draisaitl like stiff arms Quinn Hughes out of the way, goes in and scores. I'm like, oh boy, like this guy. He may take a while to like learn the defensive side of the game in the NHL, but. Like you said, like he's been amazing defensively this year, and he's been he's been a revelation defensively, to be honest. Yeah, like I say, it's it's like having. I mean, we remember Pedersen last year and how awesome he was, and just like not just producing, but producing in ways that just made you go, "Wow!" Like mm -hmm. this guy is unbelievable, and he just showed like in every single way, like this guy has superstar written all over him, and Quinn Hughes is kind of been the defenseman version of that this year which means it's a little bit more understated it doesn't draw the big big headlines like i think the cat like the casual fan like the real real casual canucks fan that sort of 
gets excited when they're in the playoffs and, and just sort of tunes in if their buddies are watching it. Like they have no idea how good Quinn Hughes is right now. Like compared yeah. to co- compared to Pedersen last year, like they had heard about Pedersen and t- taken notice right away. Uh, you know, like they were talking him on talking about him on like the news, like just the news, yeah, like not the sports <laughs> section of the news. Like they were t- like they were Pedersen. leading like global news, like yeah, leading like, about Pedersen. Like, like Pedersen wa- was getting big big headlines, and Hughes is not getting those headlines. You know, a because. He's a defenseman, so it's it's the part of it is the nature of the position. He's getting more assists than goals and, and doing some more subtle things. Uh, but also just because there's so many good news stories going on right now, right? Like you yeah. can talk about Pedersen, you can talk about Markstrom. There's all sorts of things to look at. So it's not the focus isn't those to show how many good things are going. We led with like the, one of the last questions we're going to ask is about Quinn Hughes winning the Calder. Like that's just yeah. how many good storylines are around the team right now. Yeah, I mean think about like like if Adam Gaudet came here like five years ago and was doing this like that would people it would be like godette yeah or like everyone would have a godette jersey yeah people uh, would be bowing down like in front yeah. of him when he walks on the ice oh yeah i mean like th- like think back like years ago the attempt you know think about how much time we spent talking about like zach cassian <laughs> and being like we've got they've got to give cassian a yeah. shot on the first line with the sedines and like it was like it's Zach Cassian. Hey, like, you know, he turned out maybe he, they were right. He's doing pretty well with McDavid and Dreisaitl. You know, what? that's a good point. <laughs> and and he has turned his career around. But my you know my point stands. It's like like players like that that you know are you know depth piece. You know, he's turned out to be a depth piece. And but he was never like superstar. Oh, absolutely not. No. Right? Where now you've got. You know, like Besser's like, remember how crazy everyone went for Brock Besser? He was literally like the only reason I watched a lot of the yeah. games in 2017-18. I mean, it was just I, like, I want to see how many goals he could get. And I don't want to take anything away from that season. He was spectacular in his rookie year. But it just shows like now they've like, we've got more, more than one thing to be excited about right now. And, and it's, it's, jeez, it's about time. <laughs> yeah. So this is the final question. Ryan Kessler tweeted at you. He quote tweeted one of you. Or, <laughs> you, you, were, you were just, you were just, first of all, does he... For for those who don't know, you just you were just tweeting about like a review of their podcast, like Kevin yeah. X and Ryan Kessler, and he quote tweeted you. My question is, does he follow you on Twitter? And, but and if not, he obviously just searches his name. <laughs> no, uh, I mean I'm sure there were people that. Uh, I think what probably happened is that somebody tagged him. He, you know, he does not follow me on on Twitter. Uh, does he follow you now? No, no. Oh. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't have you blocked like Bexa does. Though, oh. So <laughs> I mean, X has a lot of people block. I don't know why. He seems like such a nice guy. He has everyone yeah, blocked. Yeah, it was. I don't know if it was like. Uh, I, th- I think the theory was that like he just went through like anything that appeared in the Provies oh, back in the day, okay. and he just like kind of just blocked everything, and like just all sorts of people were blocked by BX. I think I think even Clay Emu was blocked by literally BX. The nice one of the nicest guy out like there, like the nicest guy yeah. on Canucks Twitter. Uh, his block, like the most positive guy, and he like blocked him. I think I'm correct in that, but um, yeah, he just blocked a ton of people for some reason. I'm not really sure, and I've never really, I've, you know, I've never been the type to like go at professional <laughs> athletes on online or anything like that. I think I'm a pretty fair guy, but anyways, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, they started a podcast and it was, jeez, uh, I listened to the first couple episodes and they were awesome, like mm-hmm. just talking about like all sorts of things. The stories they tell are awesome, but I gotta say. Ryan Kessler sounds like he hates doing that podcast at some point. Like, I don't know if it's just his voice. He just sounds like he does not want to be there. Yeah, but, I mean, clearly he does, though, right? Yeah. And I think that's just like, you know, we're getting a, a, a bit of an uh, inside look to his personality, and that's just kind of 
how he talks. He's not trying to be surly with Bieksa, and, and Bieksa is always trying to needle him and and mm-hmm. uh, and get him going. So I think that's uh, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Kind of like what I'm doing with you right now. I'm just trying to I'm trying <laughs> to needle you, and I'm trying to get you going. You know what? I think uh, the really interesting thing I, that I think came from that podcast was the fact that I think Ryan Kessler is trying to repair his relationship with Canucks fans. Mm. And I think it's going to work. And I think yeah. that he's going to be, there's still a lot of people bitter out there. I know a couple of my are. buddies who you know like, just, like, did not like the way he left. You know what? I said this years ago, like there's going to be a time where Kessler returns to Rogers arena and he's going to get cheered and people are going to forget about all the bad times. They're going to remember how great he was. And he truly was great for the, for the Canucks. He was a warrior for every year that he had the uniform on. Single-handedly won the Nashville series. Yeah. And uh, so I think that people are going to remember that and and they're going to, uh, you know, the the, the bad memories of, of how he wanted out and, and, and all that are going to begin to fade. Just like, you know, people forget Pavel Bure, like everyone, like Bure is universally loved. Like Bure got booed when he left Vancouver. He mm. sat out, he was under contract, sat out, refused to play. It was a holdout. Uh, they didn't get a... You know, they got Jovanovski for him, but not a great return, uh, given how great he was. Um, and he was booed and hated in Vancouver, yeah. like by a large majority of, of people. So people forget that. And obviously, Kessler's not the player that Bure was, but I think there's going to be a time where, where he comes back and people are going to start to love him. And I think it's already starting. People are already starting mm-hmm. to soften their stance on him. Are you are you willing to start that clap from the press box? Just a nice, <laughs> a nice hearty Round of applause when he gets back. <laughs> lead lead no, the I Kessler mean, Brigade. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, my, I think my stance has softened as well um, on him. You know, it was still, he still did him dirty, though. Like, I oh, mean, no, like, 100%. Yeah. Like to, to, it's one thing to want out. And I think people could, could have gotten over that pretty quick. It's to want out and then just handcuff the team. And, you know, and the team's still paying, a, a, you know, to an extent right now because. They have very little to show. What do they have to show for Ryan Kessler? They have they have Brandon Sutter and Tanner Pearson. You know, yeah. if you start to work out where all the trades became, right? Um, you know, for the for as good as Kessler was, and and for high how how high his stock was back when he was traded, uh, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Hopefully, we can have you back on again sometime. Not putting you on the spot. Don't worry. We can talk about this <laughs> off air. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah. Thank, thanks for doing this so much. Anytime. This is fun. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Rob Williams for coming on. Power of the towel. Make sure before we get into the segments, the very first segments, like everything on the show, this is the very first. Make sure to subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network. You get this show, Power of the Towel, hosted by myself, Nick Bondi. You get. Sip it on a 40, a recap after every Canucks game. You get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit, and you get the Quickie, fastest hockey show on earth. Four shows for one subscription. I can't think of a better deal out there. Anyways, let's get to our segments. Our very first segment is called Orca Reactions. This is bad. This is very, very bad. So Orca Reactions is just our little way of Trying to bring light to, we we all see it on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, someone gets heated in the moment, and then there's an overreaction. But because this is a Canucks podcast, we have to spin it way in the Canucks somehow. It's Orca reactions. Now, this version, 
as I just described it, is a bit different because it's about the World Juniors, completely not really related to the Canucks. But this is one from the World Juniors. It's from May, uh, sorry, not May, De- December 28th. This is after the Canucks, not the Canucks, Canada's, I'm getting all confused here, Canada's 6 nothing loss to Russia, where people were about to do the classic, got to, Got to call up, uh, got to call up Hockey Canada and get the symposium going. So this is after the six nothing, uh, six nothing loss. Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter. This is from Ian Tullock. I, ho- I hope I hope I'm pronouncing that right because he's one of the contributors of the Athletic. Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter are two of the most overrated hockey minds of our generation. Convince me I'm wrong. This is after the. This is a big time overreaction. He did it right after. A 6 nothing loss to Russia. And then of course, they win every single game the rest of the way and win the whole damn thing. I mean, in his defense, he was a good sport about it. He didn't try, he didn't try and double down. Folks, don't try and double down after you do something like this. He was like, he, he self-tweeted, he tagged uh, old takes exposed if, uh, if, you know that, if you know that account. So he was a good sport about it, but that's just a classic... Classic overreaction. Orca reaction, sorry. <laughs> Our final segment. This is a re- another recurring one. We call this one Way to Go, Jimmy. Go ahead of them. So, Way to Go, Jimmy. We, we detail the life and times of one. Jim Matheson. Now, if you don't know who Jim Matheson is, he's a columnist for the Edmonton Journal and covering the Oilers for a long time. Says in his bio, since 1972. So he's been covering the Oilers since they're like, since that, I think that might be the year they were founded in the WA, old WHA. Anyways, if you're, if you've been on Twitter for a while, you know who Jim Matheson is. He, uh, his Twitter game is unique and I love it. I was trying to describe it for a friend who's not on Twitter, what makes Jim Matheson so funny and why I love him so much. People like to use, like, I describe it like this. People like to use the phrase, like, okay, boomer on Twitter. Like, in all reality, there's about actually, like, three to four boomers who use Twitter. But Jim Matheson is actually one of those boomers. So if you you reply, okay, boomer, Jim Matheson, it actually is correct. For a lot of time, it's just kind of, kind of a funny joke but he is he is actually he's been covering this since 1972 man that's a, that's fucking ages anyways here's here's a tweet jim Matheson had on jesse pooley of course holding out for the year out in finland he said jesse pooley has cooled off and finished league play two goals in his last 15 games and 11th in league scoring now this is i, I love this because this is the classic like mainstream hockey media Slash Edmonton smear job on the way out. Take a guess as to how many points Jesse Pugliarvi has. He's got 30 points in 33 games. He's still having a very good season by all accounts. But I just love the way Jesse uh, not Jim Masson spins it to make it seem like he's absolute been absolute dog shit recently. He's still still having a very good year. And sidetracking pick, I have no idea what the Edmonton Lawyers are going to be able to get for Jesse Pooley. We could probably get a second-round pick at this point from, like, a rebuilding team, like 
I'm sure Detroit will take a flyer on Jesse Pugliarvi. But yeah, Jim Mavson, what a guy. Anyways, that is the first episode of Power of the Towel. Thanks to Rob Williams of Daily High for coming on. Remember to subscribe to the network. You'll get not only this show, you'll get Silky and Filthy. You'll get Sippin' on a 40. You'll get the Quickie. You get four hockey shows for one subscription, all provided by the good folks at the Nux Misconduct Network. I am your host, Nick Bondi. You can follow me on Twitter, at Nick Bondi. You can also follow our Twitter account. It's just at Power of the Towel. We hope we're putting a lot of content up there in the, in the near future. And thank you for listening.